2: Welcome to This League Uncut. In the world of 24-hour NBA news, this news you lose. Chris Haynes, it's go time. Mark Stein, it's showtime.
3: This League Uncut is underway and on fire. This should be a good one. Everyone, welcome. To another edition of This League Uncut. Mark Stein here with Chris Haynes. Coming to you one day later than we anticipated. Some scheduling curveballs fired at us. We're working on a really, really tasty surprise that I don't want to spoil. I don't want to jinx. But as we're getting that situated, that caused us to kind of move some things around. But I think I think it's okay that we're going on a Tuesday. Instead of the usual Monday, tons of stuff happening in the league as usual. There were no games Monday as the NBA gave the floor to the men's championship game in the college ranks. But look, lots of news. And I think I think we're going to focus on news. There's obviously, you know, we're, we're entering the last week of the regular season. So there's a lot of talk about playoff positioning. But that stuff seems to change by the night. So uh, I, I think we're going to, both Chris and I posted newsy stories on Monday. So you know what? Let's let's dig in to some of those things. The first thing I think, Chris, and this is obviously, uh, maybe it's not the most entertaining podcast topic, but I do think it is the most important thing that has happened in the NBA in 2023. They have a labor deal. It happened in the wee hours Of Saturday, April Fool's Day. They missed their midnight deadline, and that was after pushing that deadline back twice. But at around 3 a.m. on Saturday morning, the league and the union jointly announced that they have a tentative deal. There's a lot of details that have not been written in permanent ink. We don't have a term sheet to look at yet, but just the most important thing there will be labor peace in the NBA through at least. 28-29, you will be seeing Chris Haynes in his beautiful custom suits through at least the 28-29 season. No work stoppage because, look, the way this season started back in October when the NBA was pushing for a hard cap, you know, I wrote a long story about how they wanted an upper spending limit, which was basically their way of trying to introduce a hard cap without calling it a hard cap. But in 2023, pretty much once the NBA backed off that push, I think behind the scenes, there's kind of been this belief that they would get a deal done, and it took longer, maybe than they anticipated. Again, they had to move that deadline back twice, but they did get the deal done in the end. And we will learn much more about it in coming weeks and months. But that, you know, the big thing is there is there is labor peace in the NBA, and that you can't understate how huge that is.
4: Yeah, I, I you know, I, you you can say you know they they, they extended the deadline. I think people might have assumed that this was going to be a contentious set of negotiations and uh, from what I heard it didn't really get to a boiling point where there was a lot of frustration you know we've we've covered a lot of uh, <laughs> we cover a lot of these situations where things got bad you know so you got to give Tamika with, with the players Association mm-hmm. give her credit you got to give Adam silver credit for coming you know coming to terms and getting something done out the way. Now they can kind of move forward toward looking towards the future. And that's going to be on the NBA side, the TV landscape and Stein. So that that's going to determine if I'm still wearing some suits, not on TV. <laughs> You're going to be fine. <laughs> Bold prediction. You're going to be just, cause that's the
3: thing this. And look, the NBA and the players association no league gets along with its union better than the NBA. It is a very close relationship. I think some might even say too close in you know in certain situations and among certain personalities, but really since the bubble and how closely the league and the union had to work together to get the 2019-20 season back on track after 4 months off and to make the bubble happen and just kind of what came out of that season and being able to salvage it and and crown a champion. There is just a stronger relationship between these two entities than we see in the other sports leagues. But you would also have to say the NBA has rebounded from the bubble and is in overall such a good place. A work stoppage would have been the dumbest in league history and maybe any league's history because there is a massive new media rights deal looming in 2025, 26. We just saw the Phoenix Suns sell for $4 billion. Expansion, we know that the league will start thinking about expansion after finalizing this labor agreement and after getting that TV deal done. So after 2025, 26, expansion becomes a real thing. And now we're talking about more billions pouring into this league if it grows from 30 teams to, to 32. So there is so much money. Last season, the NBA recorded its first ever $10 billion season in revenue, if I'm citing the figure correctly. If I'm not, apologies to Tim Reynolds, who he's the one who always points that out. I'm pretty sure it was the first $10 billion in revenue season last year. I will try to double check that as we go here, but that's, there's so much money that is pouring in. It would just, it would have, if, if there was even a day in July, a one day lockout, it would have been foolish and disastrous. So to get this deal done now and ensure free agency will start on time, summer league with Mr. Wembenyama will start on time. Like that's these are, you know, it's important. It's important just for the, for the overall health of the league.
4: And I echo what you said initially at the start of the pod, is that I, I want to wait until I see all the details of the term sheet before we go into who got the best of who. I've seen some reaction. I've seen some reaction from some players off of the, you know, the, the little details that's out there already. So I want to hold judgment as of right now and fully grasp what exactly uh, was agreed to before I weigh in. I, you know, Yeah, I, I think don't
3: you like have to. I, I think. Yeah.
4: Well, you don't have to. It's a must. Uh, I think you don't have to, Stein, because most people don't.
3: No, you're right. But I think it is the, let me rephrase that. I think it's the wise move. because There you go. There you go. We're just getting this stuff piecemeal. We don't, like, you know, a key element of this that, that and I didn't do a, a great job of discussing, of kind of explaining this in my Monday piece even though I preach caution and said, let's wait until these deals are all written and final and we can really dig into them. But not just that, they're going to be phased in. All these changes will not go immediately into this offseason uh, because, you know, they, they've they've made a provision, you know, reportedly they've made a provision, for example, for smoothing in anticipation of the new TV deal that hasn't happened yet. Smoothing, of course, didn't happen the last time there was a huge TV deal and it led to the huge cap spike in the summer of 2016 that, that, you know, made salaries crazy for that one summer and basically enabled golden state to have enough cap space to sign Kevin Durant. So we've heard that there's going to be some form of smoothing in this new CBA, but the specifics of how that's going to work, we, we don't know them yet. So I think there are still many, many details to learn and digest wise words.
4: Wise words, and we got to stick with that. Now, with that being said, Stein, you have some news today. I have some news. Let's, let's jump into the – Yeah, I wanted to get – I wanted to, your news wanted. Is,
3: I wanted to – Well, my first question my is how, how many Mavs beat writers do we have on this podcast at this point? You got a, <laughs> you're putting out a notebook today, and you got – you have like two Mavs items in there. Like now I feel like my next piece, I got to come back with some Dame news because I got to – I don't know how I'm going to get it, but I need to come up with something to, kind of counter, <laughs> to counter you.
4: I get, I get Mavs nuggets twice a year, Stein. Are you getting on me about that, Stein? Let me let, let let me get my two times a year. Come on, Stein. Don't don't hog the Mavs all season long, man. Just be careful.
3: Just be careful. You never know when I'm going to drop a Dame Lillard exclusive on you. <laughs> um, so you you reported in your piece today. You had a around the league notebook and I did as well, but let's, let's, we're going to start with yours. Cause I, I think you had some, uh, some really good stuff in there. You wrote that Kyrie Irving, uh, intends to, he does intend to go all the way to free agency. He, he will be eligible for an extension with the Mavericks. He is eligible today for an extension with the Mavericks cool. all the way up till the end of June. But you reported, he does want to actually go to free agency. And I think, that's not a huge surprise because he can get a larger deal by waiting until the summer. But, um, you know, obviously even just a suggestion and you didn't even suggest it you wrote it very factually, but even the suggestion that Kyrie Irving might be going somewhere else naturally gets fans in Dallas pretty nervous and they're already living on the edge because the Mavericks, as we talked about last week, are, if not mathematically done they are they know they're done.
4: You said they were done was it last week? I did
3: last yeah. Monday and before, I, and before and, uh, we got to this point. And they have with their last week they were 1 in 3 on a four game trip east so their chances to make me look stupid are dwindling. I mean they are they are 1 in 7 since the mock since the Moxie Kleba three pointer at the buzzer that beat the Lakers 1 and 7.
0: Not exactly
3: a playoff drive, but Kyrie, I mean, what, you know, he, you know, Kyrie has said, please don't ask me about my future. I don't, you know, that was his message on the day he was introduced to the local media in Dallas that he doesn't want to talk about his contract, but something tells me that at some point this week, he's going to be getting contract questions because again, the season in Dallas is nearly over. What, get out your crystal ball. What do you think happens?
4: Well, I do think the Dallas Mavericks, well, for sure, I know that they they want to resign them. I don't know what that would look like, though, and that is the questionable part. That's where things can kind of go sour because we've seen what happened in Brooklyn when Kyrie wanted to get an extension done and how Brooklyn came back with terms that were not guaranteed and they were – have heavily laced with incentives and then we we know that was the straw that broke the camel's back as far as Kyrie was concerned and that's what led him to requesting the trade so you know he's going to go into free agency to for the point that you mentioned as well he can get more he can he's he's eligible for more if he goes that route so I I just think the Mavericks you know, and this is a better question for you, Stein, because you know the DNA of this team, the the history and the track record you have with that franchise. Is that the question I have? Yes, there's interest. Yes, they want to resign him. But Stein, considering how things ended with Jalen Brunson losing him for for nothing, then what they gave away to get Kyrie, or do you feel like they're in a position where they just cannot lose Kyrie, or do you feel like no? There, there there still should be boundaries there should be still should be a a limit on what you're willing to offer this guy in order to keep him a part of the club and franchise and that, that's what I wanted to ask you about
3: I think the truth is they want it all like Kyrie Irving's eligible for a five-year deal with the Dallas Mavericks the Dallas Mavericks I would be stunned if they're going to be presenting Kyrie with the five-year offer now But because of what you said, they lost Jalen Brunson for nothing. And all Jalen Brunson has done is gone to New York and improved as a player for the fifth successive season and didn't get an all-star berth, might not get an all-NBA spot, but has a case for both. He has been absolutely fantastic. He has gone to a new level in New York under the supposed pressure of playing in the Gotham spotlight. It hasn't bothered him a bit. So yeah, I mean, on one hand, the Mavericks absolutely positively cannot lose Kyrie Irving after losing Jalen Brunson without compensation, but the Mavericks also can't give him a five-year deal or I don't even, you know, if it's me, I've said it, you know, if it's me, I would want to offer one plus one. And I'm sure Kyrie Irving has zero interest in that kind of deal, but from the Mavericks perspective, I'm sure they want to make, they want to do a deal, you know, as, as team friendly as they can. Kyrie's aiming for a deal that's as close to the five year max as he can get. The question will be what leverage can he generate? Will who out there, wants to bid on Kyrie in free agency. And to this point in my searching, I have not been able to find a team that's interested. I wrote this two weeks ago, I think it was, when I did a piece on Kyrie's first six weeks as a Maverick. The Lakers and the Suns are the teams that are most frequently mentioned in league circles as potential Kyrie suitors. We have no tangible indications that I know of from either team that they plan to act on that and, and actually make a bid for Kyrie. Maybe there is a team or two out there that is planning to make a free agent run at Kyrie that we don't know about. But to this point, I haven't been able to pinpoint one. I don't know where his external interest is coming. And so he's going to have to generate that to get the offer he wants.
4: And I think it's a little bit too early to tell as of right now what it is for him. You know, we've heard the teams that he the teams that he worked he was tied to in previous seasons, the Lakers, Phoenix Suns. I just don't know how feasible that is from a cap situation going into free agent and, and trying to pursue Kyrie Irving. But one thing I will say Stein, you mentioned the one and one my fear is that you're you're really asking for problems if a one and one is presented to Kyrie that is my fear and i think we're back at okay where where does kyrie go from here and i will say this i remember when brooklyn let me see was it last was it last off season it had to be last off season there was a threat that Kyrie would opt out of his player option. It was before the offseason started. A threat that he would opt out of his player option and potentially sign with the Lakers or some team for the minimum, the veteran minimum, something like that. And I, I think it was a bluff, but I will say if there is a player that Would I don't know that he has to go down this road, but if there's a player that would think about, okay, hey, I'm not getting the offer that I feel I deserve from my home team. You know what? If I'm going to do a one-in-one or do a one-year deal, I'm going to go do it somewhere where I want to play at and build up my market value for the next summer. If it's somebody that would do that, Kyrie would do that. I don't know that he will have to. But I just think that if if an offer is presented that he feels is a low ball pitch, I wouldn't discount. Well, excuse me, I wouldn't be surprised if if he were to take that type of approach.
3: Now, just to be clear though, the one plus one idea, that is what Mark Stein would do if he was in charge. I'm not in charge. So, so
4: you will start a whole summer frenzy of Kyrie watch. Because you made him that offer, I and, would. And Anstein, Anstein, let's get okay. One and one is one thing, but what are you offering? Is he getting his max doing that one and one? Yeah,
3: I would offer. Him, okay, all right, I would all offer right, him max. Okay. You, you but at least but, but okay. again, this is just <laughs> what I would do. If you're asking me what I think the Mavericks will do, I think the Mavericks will make a multi-year offer. It will be better than the offer that I would be presenting. I don't know the specifics yet. I don't know how many years, but my instinct is my early read. And again, it's still way too early. I uh, That would be my expectation of some sort of multi-year deal. Is it going to be long enough and rich enough to make Kyrie happy? I can't answer that question. I genuinely don't know. But I guess, you know, I I also wrote in that piece, and, you know, Bobby Marks was the first one at ESPN who, who I kind of heard say this, and I've adopted the same kind of approach. Kyrie, talent-wise, the dude is still a wizard. He just turned 31, same birthday as his coach, Jason Kidd, who turned 50. I mean, Kyrie in Atlanta, second night of a back-to-back, incredible Sunday. I mean the guy can still score like few on this planet can, but you know, Bobby kind of threw out there that he's a max player one year at a time, if you can get that approach. And that again, that is, you know, that is a that is a um what's the word I'm looking for? It's a it's an approach that I have basically copied and swiped and and agree with. Um but Again, that's just me. I don't speak for the team. I I don't know exactly what kind of contract they're going to offer Kyrie, but I suspect it will be longer than I'm suggesting.
4: Yeah. Uh, I I can pretty much Know what to expect if that <laughs> <laughs> if that type of offer is presented. But that's Stein again. Clarity. Let's make sure yeah, for the I aggregators mean, out that, there. That, this is you know, I, this I is mean, Stein, not the Mavericks. This is Stein. Like, like
3: Jake Fisher would say, please don't aggregate this, but I'm sure it won't work. <laughs> um Yeah. So that, so look that th- those these are the two variables missing that we do not know what kind of offer exactly We know the Mavericks want to keep Kyrie Irving. You had that in your piece today. What type of offer will it be how long will the offer be and then what kind of market can Kyrie generate can he get interest from elsewhere that forces the mavericks to make an offer closer to what he wants i mean we'll see we'll see what kind of market there is for Kyrie cuz you know again at this point it's you know we've we've just clicked into april free agency is still nearly 3 months away but you know my attempts to pinpoint what the Kyrie Irving market would will be not super successful to this point
2: perfect home sweet home.
3: Also in your piece today, you had Stephen Curry. You convinced Stephen Curry to share with you his mythical MVP vote. Steph does not have a ballot. He is not voting. But he said if he were a voter, he would be voting for Joel Embiid. Were you surprised by that selection?
4: I was surprised that it didn't take any pulling of the teeth for me to get that out of Steph. That's what I was surprised about. You know, Steph is real calculated, real calculated. If he, if there's something he's not sure of, uh, if there's a question, he's not sure of answering, he'll kind of pause, go into space. Think about it for a minute before he responds, or even if he responds, it didn't take that. He went straight to Joel. He went straight to Joel. And he, he went on to talk about the leap that, he feels Joel had this year, and how he's pretty much carrying his team. And you know, I was surprised. I, I was surprised he had that. I was surprised he had that take. And but I think it it rings volumes because Steph's a two time MVP. Know no, know, know what it takes to win that award. He's the only player in NBA history who's won that award unanimously. So I think from from what he sees. And how he judges it and bases his MVP off of, I think his, I think that speaks volumes. But you know, I do look at occasionally, look through, skim through social media and see what fans are saying. You know, I like to get a pulse, not all the time, but I like to get a pulse. And I started seeing there was a there was a little trend, a little minor trend of people saying, "Hey, what do you expect Steph to say?" Him and Joel, him and Joel B share the same. Uh, they're both with Under Armour, and I forgot about that. I don't know that. I know Steph pretty well. I don't know. I don't know that that played a part. You know, he's really he's going to keep it real. I I do genuinely believe that's his choice for MVP. Um, but I wouldn't. You know, I was I was surprised that it didn't take it didn't take really anything at all to get that answer out of him. Are you surprised by his answer Stein?
3: Um. Nah, not you know. I think. I think a lot of people feel the same that, you know, Joe is, and look, he's come in second two years in a row. And a lot of people around the league, not just Steph feel as though he's due that he should have one, you know,
4: but that shouldn't decide Stein. Like, I don't, I don't like that premise of, okay, he was robbed before he should get it this year. No, it's a year to year award. Now, if you ask me personally, who I think I will vote for, I think I will go for Joel. And let me just announce this real quick because I told you, I didn't, I haven't, I haven't told the public on this podcast. I'm actually, I actually will not have a ballot, a postseason ballot this year. I declined the vote last season for a reason, and they forgot to take me off the non-voting list. <laughs> so I'm not, I don't, I won't have a ballot, but as of right now, like, I think I'm leaning towards MB, but I just don't agree on the premise of voters fatigue. I don't believe in the premise of, oh, he shouldn't have got it last year. So let's reward Joel. Now, like I, I'm going by year to year. And so that I, I just wanted to interrupt and say that.
3: Well, that makes two of us. Cause I haven't voted since 2017. So that means this league uncut will be casting zero official ballots when it comes to year end awards. And I was thinking, do we need to do, we might need to do a pod where should we do a pod next week? Where after the regular season's over, we, we go through our mythical choices and say who we would have voted for <coughs> in every do that. category. I, I, I don't know. Do if that. People, no problem. I don't know if people would be interested in that. I am still leaning Jokic and I'm with you. I came into the season, I don't want to hear about voter fatigue. I don't want to hear about, but now he'll have three in a row and only Bill Russell and Wilt and Larry Bird are at three in a row. And we can't put Jokic on the three in a row list. I'm with you. It is a season to season award. The way that I've always voted has been who has the best season. Every season is a story unto itself. I think the combination of Denver leading the West wire to wire with only one all-star and then all the numbers that Jokic has stacked up along the way. That's why I think he has a slight edge. But I have to say, you know, Embiid is right there and I continue to be marvel I continue to marvel at how little mention Giannis is getting because the Bucks are going to have the best record in the league. Chris Middleton will not be playing even 40 games this season due to all the injury woe he's had. Yes, he still has Drew Holiday as a teammate. Yes, Brooke Lopez is born again. The Bucs have a lot of good vets who know what they're doing, but Giannis has had another MVP caliber season that we really don't discuss. So, I like, I, I think you could make a case for any of the three that is, cor- and it is the correct one. Uh, they all have a real strong case. You know, if I were voting, I would wait till, you know, about ba- the season and Sunday ballots are not due back to the league office till Monday. I would not turn my ballots in until Monday because the choice is that hard and that important. But like, I don't, as long as your choice is Jokic or Joe or Giannis, you know, do you, as long as it's one of those three, I'm fine with it. You can make a case for any of the three.
4: So, okay, you can say that. But you know good and well, Stein, there's going to be somebody out there who gets a first place. There's my dog again. Oh, boy. Your dog's name is Prince, correct? My dog's name is Prince.
3: So does Prince, do you think that's because he doesn't like our performance or he just wants to be noticed? No,
4: I can tell you exactly what it is. Our neighbors just got a dog two weeks ago a male dog. And so every time they come, oh man, it, it's it's brutal. It's brutal. I told you the origin of Prince, how we how we got him.
3: No, I don't. If you did, I've already forgotten, which is no surprise because my memory sucks. I don't think you have. I don't remember that. Oh
4: so, boy. I'm, I'm dreading it. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, everybody, if I'm saying that. Yes, this, this is not my pet. It's my daughter's pet. I should say that. This is their dog. So when... I got called to go into the bubble. It was three days before it was three days before they wanted me to go. so they wanted me to go in the bubble for spending spend spend three and a half months in the bubble, leave Monday, but they informed me on Friday, and I had to make the choice within two days. So my kids, my two, my two youngest daughters, who were like 10 or 11 at the time, I told them, "Hey, I got to go in the bubble. I got to be going for three and a half months." and they just broke down crying. Broke down crying. And I knew they wanted a dog. So I said, baby, so just to just to make this a peaceful transition for me leaving the house all that time. I said, hey, girls, girls, don't cry. I'll give you a dog. I'll give you a dog. And they just, tears dried up. What? Okay. So I was happy. Happy. It was a peaceful transition, me going into the bubble. And then I didn't have to deal with the dog for three and a half months because I was in the bubble. And then when I got here, oh boy, it's, it's another, it's another, it's feel like another human I'm taking care of. And so I get the dog, get the dog barks. They, they're asking me to walk the dog. And I'm like, no, this is your dog. You should walk the dog. So it, this, there's a lot. I love the dog, really good dog, barks a whole lot because there's other dogs around. That's the origin of how we became a dog family.
3: You one bazillion percent did not tell me that story before. Cause I would have I remembered, not, huh? I remember, I would have remembered if it, I mean, it's, it's an NBA story. It's, it's, I mean, the bubble, man, I was there 53 days and you were there twice as long as me. I mean, like you were there over, you were there more than a hundred days and like, I'm a born traveler, but that number still staggers me. Cause after 53 days, I was ready to be done. And I can't believe that you had to basically go another 50 plus days.
4: I believe it was 109 in nine, and... I believe. I believe it was 109 days in there. I
3: mean, yeah. It's, I really don't know how you did it. I mean, it was, it was, a, you know, it was, it was hard. It was real. Well, I'll tell hard. you
4: right now, Stein, I feel like going back in that bubble rather than hearing this dog bark right here, right, right beside me, man. <laughs> but
3: I will say this, like, I'm so glad I went. Like, I love that I can say, that I was there for that. Like that was, yeah, I mean, I think we'll always remember being, you know, I mean, living, <laughs> living on planet NBA. I mean, it was, it's just so crazy to think about. Like I still, like I actually was going through my phone there other day, found some old pictures and like, I loved the beginning when there were 22 teams in the bubble and literally um, there were some teams that nobody was paying attention to, including at the time, the Phoenix Suns. I mean, you know, Phoenix went there with yep. the longest odds of anybody to try to get into the playoffs. And that was kind of the start of Phoenix's success on Ramani Williams. And and you know, they went, I think they went eight-no in the bubble. Undefeated.
4: And they, yeah, they, undefeated. But and I, they but still I didn't make I, it.
3: I, yeah, they missed by like a half game. But I remember going to the Suns practices and being the only reporter there. Like nobody was paying attention to them. Same thing. I remember going to a Washington Wizards practice. And Scotty Brooks was so happy to see me. I, I thought he was going to let me jump in the layup lines because, like, they—I they, mean, they—they they were so happy that somebody was paying attention. I mean, it was an incredible—I mean, once in a lifetime experience for sure. But yeah, you doing you? Uh, I was happy with my fifty-three days, hundred nine. Man, hundred nine.
4: You had Stein. That's that's that was a time where you. You got to know your colleagues on a different level, on a more personal level. And me and you always been tight, but just just seeing how you move was always comical. <laughs> I mean, just just to see like Stein would actually. Here we go. Here we go. You know, Stein. You know, he, he, he's a weird guy. Tell, he's him, a weird, tell him
3: the story. I know. I good, know where this is going.
4: Hold on. Which one, which one? Hold on. Where do you think I'm going?
3: My writing habits. Yes,
4: you're right. <laughs> so Stein. You know, common folk, regular people, we tend to go on our laptops and write our stories that way. You know, the the traditional way. You go gather quotes, get your information, then you go. Sit at a desk. Sit at a desk, you know, go to your room, you know, common folk stuff, you know. So I will say this, though. My time working with, working at ESPN and working alongside Stein, that was when, so I got to ESPN, what year was that? Probably
3: 2016.
4: You got there 16, 17. Yeah, 16, 17. So that year of working with you, I started because I saw you. I started writing on my phone. And so I would probably, I'm being honest, probably 70%, 80% of the stories I write or the reports that I that I report on, I write st- strictly from my phone. And that's from Stein. I just got better at it and it's a habit. But Stein takes it to another level. So Stein writes his stories from his Blackberry for the most most of the time. But not just that. Stein will walk in a circle for an hour, maybe even longer than an hour. Just walk in a circle. Not a big circle. Just walk in a circle. And he's writing. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he was like, well, writing a story. And I'm like, no, this walking around the circle, what you doing. Oh, I'm just getting my steps in. Just just exercise. This is my way of getting my step. I'm like, you are so weird. Like, go sit down. Like, go sit. I, like I get writing on the phone now because I do it. No, he will pace, pace around, just walk in a circle writing. He can do that. Like, I'm I would be afraid that I'm gonna run into something. Stein, that's how he gets down. So it's it it, it that that was just just seeing how you roll. Just seeing how you get down with your job, that that was pretty cool to see. You know what,
3: though? There's a couple of things. See, what happened, the reason it was is because in kind of our wing of the bubble, the, the, you know, what was that? It was What was it called at Disney? We were Coronado Springs. We were in the Coronado Springs Hotel in the bubble. And in our building where all the journalists were, and there were about 20 of us at one time, we're all basically in the same building. There was a courtyard, a circular courtyard. So I would just walk in that courtyard and write on my phone. But here's the thing in that Orlando humidity, you combine that Orlando humidity with the fact (laughs) that we were, I was eating less than I ever have because I could not stomach the food that was provided for us. (laughs) I basically only ate once a day because there was a very, there was like a window from like, four to ten where you could order delivery so I would only eat basically once a day you combine my lessened eating with writing in the heat and I came back from the bubble and I was down about 20 pounds is the best probably the best <laughs> physical shape I've been in in ages and unfortunately it didn't last so that writing was actually good man it was like a it was like an exercise course
4: Stein remember I got reprimanded in the bubble? For coming over to your <laughs> to your uh, <laughs> coming over to your hotel room while you were in quarantine, I oh, the, came over. Like Brought you first some day food. I was yeah.
3: in there. <laughs> oh my goodness! That's I mean, that's, a whole uh, other story. Man, that's another story. Out, man. You knocked on you knocked on my door, and like the security guards were interviewing us. Like, what did you? What
4: happened? What did you do? Did they hemmed me up in the Atlanta bubble. Multiple security guards him me up. I went through it. They, they investigated. Yeah, I was intero- Chris Haynes, interrogated.
3: Chris Haynes and Malik Andrews got to go to the bubble like 10 plus days before the rest of us. So you two were already through protocol, able to go out into the world and report everybody else who got there. The first thing you had to do was quarantine for seven to 10 days. I can't remember if it was seven or 10, seven, months. seven yeah, so days, first seven days. You're just behind. You're in your room. You can't leave. And, and, and. I'm in there for 15 minutes, and Chris Haynes is trying to break in. And...
4: Oh, man. I went not. I took video of it. I don't know why I did that. But I, t- I, took, <laughs> I took video. Uh, I went to Stein because it's the quarantine area. So, again, Stein is in his room. So, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to knock on his door and run. And I just want to see if Stein pokes his head out. So, I go over there. I record it. So, I go to his room, knock on his door, and then I run. So I run and hide around the corner. I'm about 15 feet away. And i see Stein head, peeks his head out. He's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And from that point on, NBA got a hold of the video, saw it, investigated me, interrogated me, talked to you, Stein. Can you
3: imagine if I had been kicked out of the bubble? If I had to, I was at the New York Times and if I had to call the New York Times and say, I've been here for an hour, and I've already been forced. I've been asked to leave because Chris Haynes not Chris Haynes had the temerity to knock on my door. Unbelievable!
4: Oh man. All right.
3: Well, you know, we've gone so long with bubble stories. I'm gonna next. I'm gonna figure out (coughs) when to tell a bubble story about you, but we're not gonna do that now because we've gone too long. We need to get back to the NBA news. Let's do it. Let's 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 do a little coaching before we go.
2: Perfect home sweet home.
3: The Nick Nurse situation in Toronto is fascinating. There have been rumblings about Nick Nurse and Toronto parting ways at season's end. It's kind of been percolating. I, I think I heard it for the first time in February, but I didn't write it. And frankly, I wasn't sure how much credence to give it because. The Raptors got off to that terrible start. They, they were 23-30, and 30, but since then, they're 16-9. and nine. They've, you know, basically been, you know, a much better team here uh, since the trade deadline. And, you know, all their main guys have been in trade rumors all season long. But the other night before a game in Philly, you know, Nick Nurse was asked kind of where his head's at about the future. And Nick, with his quotes, basically... Gave gave some life to the idea that, you know, yeah, you know, Nick said I basically Nick and I'm paraphrasing here, but Nick basically said, I've been with this team for 10 years, five, is five as an assistant, five is the head coach. And at season's end, we're all going to step away and kind of evaluate things. And, you know, the quotes have just kind of given life now to this storyline. And I, you know, I, I tend to think we're going to be hearing a lot more about it between now and the end of the season, even though. The Raptors, you know, have picked up their play, and you know they're they're not going to get in the top six, but they're certainly in the mix for for seven or eight, and and needing only one play in win to get to the playoffs. So, I mean, kind of what was your reaction hearing hearing where Nick Nick took the conversation the other day?
4: Not really that surprised, because yes, I've heard those rumblings myself. It reminded me of. A similar quote or comments that Nate McMillan had before he was let go from the Hawks. He said that he would take time after the season to decide his fate. And usually, that's that's interesting to hear that when when a coach still has years left on his contract. You know, when a coach starts talking about, "Hey, I'll evaluate," you know, where I'm at. You know, when you st- when a coach still has a year or two left. I, I'll let you know there, there's some trouble brewing behind the scenes so with the with, Nick Nurse situation you know we've been hearing this for a while Toronto Raptors had a disappointing season definitely for their standards and you know we've been hearing about players being disgruntled with their roles um, you know there's other things behind the scenes that, I, that have happened that that hadn't seen the light yet. But I think um I think Nick's nurse I think Nick Nurse is a really good coach. You know, I used to talk to him a lot when he was a G League coach when he was on the when he was just on the on the up. And you knew he you knew he would find his way. And so even if this is the last season with the Raptors, I it would be hard to imagine that he will not be a head coach in this league somewhere next season so I, i'm trying to <laughs> i'm trying to up uh, segue that you know what i mean I, i'm trying to try to le- lead people in the right direction here but i, I nick nurse is going to be yeah, all Look, right, i regardless. mean the, the
3: reality is the talk has already started about nick potentially surfacing in houston and then the other layer of this that i didn't mention uh you know steve bullpet and doug smith have both written this uh before i'm saying it you know that that Ime Udoka's name is coming up in Toronto because I think it's pretty well known that Masai Ujiri is an Ime Udoka fan and Ime was considered in Toronto's search previously when Nick Nurse got the job to replace Dwayne Casey. So it's, it's, it's just interesting that this Toronto talk has already started and it's really picked up here in the last week. Plus when, you know Toronto's season is still very much alive. Again, they're in the play-in. Whether they finish eighth, ninth, tenth in the East is still to be determined. But you know, Toronto is 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 going to be in the play-in and, and could very well emerge from the play-in with a playoff spot. So I mean their season is not necessarily even close to being over, and this stuff is already bubbling. So that that's the surprise. And then, you know, Greg Popovich is another situation where um, Greg Popovich, look. I don't want to sit here and act like I know what he's going to do. But if you ask me to look in my crystal ball, I tend to believe that pop will be back next season, even though he just turned 74 in January. And I, I think even I could say with even greater confidence, you know, he's not just going to walk away before the draft lottery. The draft lottery is May 16th. What if San Antonio wins the lottery and wins the right to draft Victor Wembanyama. I would imagine that Pop would want at least one year coaching Monsieur Wemby. So you know, I don't. You know, maybe Pop will decide that this is it. But I don't imagine that that's something that that he would declare before the draft lottery. But just like Nick Nurse, Pop's own words here have kind of put some doubt into the mix because uh, Jeff McDonald of the San Antonio Express News had a piece last week. And there's the quote in there from pop where pop himself says "There quote, there are those nights when I say, what the hell am I doing here? Do I need to do this? So when a coach says that publicly, it naturally makes muckrakers like you and I wonder if he's trying to tell us something. And, you know, again, I don't think we have a definitive steer one way or the other. I, you know, if I was, Forced to forecast, I I still tend to think he comes back for one more, but let's see, let's see what's uh, let's see where that goes.
4: Yeah, I, I understand why he would say something like that with the current team that he has. He doesn't have Victor on that roster, so I, I think his tune would change a little bit if they were to to get that guy.
3: He does not the, the Spurs. I'm actually assembling. Uh, we're taping this on a Monday night. I'm assembling my last power rankings of the season. The Spurs have eight losses. By thirty-five points or more this season—that is a league single-season record. Have you had any Spurs games this season? Have they been on national TV? Have you had any? Uh, have you had any sideline interactions no. with Pop lately?
4: No, the last Spurs game I did was for TNT. That was my last game when the NBA uh, postponed the season when they stopped play. I was it. I was it. Was a San Antonio Spurs. I forget who they were playing but it, I was in San Antonio. So it was a, it was a Spurs game and that's when um it was actually it, it was it was funny because they were NBA was trying to implement a you know the the distance or where you should stand back. So that was like the first game they were trying to implement some type of protocol. And then right after that game that was it. The NBA the NBA stopped. So I was in San Antonio when all that happened. That was the last time. So that's 2020. Three years. Dang. And, God and wasn't believe. that your
3: very first game? Did what or I'm not, not that. that. Wasn't my, that your was very my first, first sideline assignment yep. with pop?
4: My first uh, yeah, my first sideline assignment was Lakers Spurs in LA. Yep. But yeah, so I haven't had yeah, so I haven't had a Spurs game since my first year um as a sideline reporter for TNT in 2020.
3: All right, I think we're gonna put a ball on. on this one. But before think-
4: that, we, hold on. Before that, oh, no. let just, me let me throw this. Me,
3: just please tell me this is not another story about one of my bad habits.
4: No, no, we, we'll, we'll say that. We got more time. We'll say that. Hey, I got another. Had another mass little minor mass nugget. Let me rub it in your face, Stein. A little, little another mass nugget. Jared Dudley sources told me will be coaching the Mavericks summer league team on his quest to gain more experience to becoming a top-flight head coach candidate, head coaching candidate in NBA. How you feel about that, Stine? As
3: soon as we finish recording this, I'm going to call everyone I know in Portland to see what I can come up with. <laughs> you are on congrats, notice. You are, I, you are absolutely on notice.
4: Congrats to Jared Dudley. I'm done, start I'm done.
3: <laughs> no. Jared Dudley Jared Dudley was uh as you noted you also wrote in your piece about how Kenny Atkinson wanted to bring him to Charlotte had Kenny Atkinson taken the job that he initially accepted of course he decided not to take that Charlotte job in the end but uh yes I you know Jared Dudley is he's had a very strong impact in his short time as an assistant coach in Dallas and uh I do think I do think we're going to see him someday as an NBA head coach I agree with you
4: that that would be cool. That'd be really cool, Stein.
3: Just stay off my beat, though.
4: I, I will. I, I'll. I'll look out for nope, your next game exclusive.
3: I'm. I'm. Like I said, I'm hit. I'm hitting the phones as soon as we're done, <laughs> seeing how many five hundred three numbers I can find in my phone. That does it for another edition of this league uncut. Chris and I will be back in a matter of days. With another episode this week, we are still working on the aforementioned surprise. That's all I can tell you for now, but I promise everyone is going to like it. Everyone enjoy the final week of the NBA's 77th regular season. And this is very important. Please rate, review, subscribe to This League Uncut. Stay with us. We'll be back with another episode very, very soon. Take care, everyone.
2: That'll do it for us. See you next time. This League Uncut is an iHeartRadio production. Boom, shakalaka! Chris Haynes and Mark Stein!